hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, your host of America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. I'm broadcasting today from Strasbourg, France. They have a terrific week here, lots of developments. You've seen on the America Out Loud News posting of my speech given in the European Parliament on September 13th, 2023. I wanted to let you know the context of that session at the European Parliament and why it was such a big focus on the World Health Organization. Here is what the WHO says about the COVID-19 vaccines. I want you to understand what the WHO's specific statements are regarding the vaccines. And this is directly from their website. WHO, why get vaccinated against COVID-19? Quote, the emergency phase of COVID-19 is over, but the virus continues to spread and evolve. The COVID-19 remains a threat, especially to older persons and adults with underlying health conditions. Safe and effective vaccines, which they are not, help ensure COVID-19 vaccine does not result in severe disease and death. That's false. There's never been a randomized trial ever showing reductions in severe disease and death. Vaccination protects against COVID-19 and reduces the likelihood of new variants emerging. That's false. Vaccination actually promotes emergent resistant strains as shown by Nielsen at Mayo Clinic and Venkata Christian at uh, Enference in Boston. The third statement, quote, take all COVID vaccine doses, including booster doses, as recommended by you uh, and your health authority. That's wrong. That would be up to eight doses so far. We have no safety data on cumulative dosing at eight uh, shots uh, taken six months apart. Second stanza, COVID-19 vaccines are safe by the WHO. Quote, strict precautions are in place to help ensure the safety of COVID-19 vaccines. Before receiving validation from WHO and national regulatory agencies, COVID-19 vaccines must undergo rigorous testing and clinical trials to prove that they meet internationally agreed benchmarks for safety and efficacy. No such benchmarks have ever been published or stated and there are no rigorous tests, particularly beyond the original randomized trials. Uh, we've had basically immunobridging studies and non-randomized studies. Quote, unprecedented scientific collaborations, extensive prior research, and substantial public funding enable swift COVID-19 vaccine development to be completed in record time while maintaining high safety standards. Unquote. Well, it's true that there were unprecedented collaborations. It's true it was extensive and substantial public funding, and it was true that it was swift in terms of development. However, not true with respect to safety standards. There are no safety standards, and what we've seen is absolutely horrifying with respect to injuries, disabilities, and death. Final statement by the WHO, quote, as with all vaccines, WHO and regulatory authorities continuously monitor the use of COVID vaccines to identify and respond to any safety issues that might arise. Uh, that's false. They have not identified or responded to any safety issues. Through this process, we established that COVID-19 vaccines remain safe and worldwide. No, false. They have not established the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines. That's the, the context by which the European Parliament uh, uh, sessions moved forward. 
I wanted to let you know that just so I can be you know, very clear about that. I think Emerald Robinson at The Absolute Truth did a wonderful job reporting on this quickly. Now, she leads in with some other developments that you've heard of, and it's been on my Courageous Discourse substack. One is that um, uh, famed media personality attorney Megan Kelly has come out and says she's vaccine injured, has an autoimmune problem from the vaccines, angry she took them, regretful that she took them. She interviewed face-to-face Donald J. Trump, the Republican frontrunner for uh, the presidential Republican nomination, and she confronts Trump on this, and you'll see what Trump has to say. Emerald goes on uh, to bring on Fauci, who has emerged from his retirement at Georgetown to make more false statements regarding the COVID-19 vaccines in myocarditis. And then she brings me on from Strasbourg, Germany, where I am now, and we give uh, some highlights from the uh, now what I think is going to be historic European Parliament testimony uh, and presentations that were made on September 13th, 2023. But let's check in with Emerald Robinson, uh, and this was from September 14th, 2023. But I have people on the other side, I don't, not my side, although probably there's some on my side too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people- You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats- I get it. And I'm not not not, somebody who denies some of the good that the vaccines did. I I lived through that too. But of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed. Kelly. However, the former president highlighting that he did not support mandates and also fast track the availability of therapeutics like Regeneron during 2020. Now, Kelly pressed the former president on his promotion of Dr. Tony Fauci as well. If you'll recall, Kelly recently revealed that she herself suffers from a vaccine injury. And despite more and more people coming forward publicly every day in the growing body of evidence for cheap therapeutics, such as ivermectin, the FDA once again approving the new COVID vaccine booster shot for infants as young as six months old with basically no clinical testing. And the usual government shields took to the airways with the announcement to once again sell the death shots to the American public. Again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men, of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the risk of myocarditis from COVID itself is greater than the risk of the vaccine. I guess you can take that as somewhat of an admission from Dr. Fauci that there is, in fact, a risk of myocarditis from the mRNA jabs. But a lot of health professionals and premier medical associations, as we often highlight on the absolute truth, got paid a lot of money to downplay the risk associated with the jabs. Associations like the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, who received a whopping $11.8 million to promote the jabs, according to recently released FOIA documents obtained by Dr. James Thorpe. Now, keep in mind... They did this despite the lack of clinical studies related to pregnant women and the jabs. 
Now, Dr. Peter McCullough testified before the European Union yesterday where he laid out the evidence of adverse events related to the modified mRNA and the spike protein while making a passionate plea to the European lawmakers to take action against the jabs. I implore you as a governing body, European Medicine Agency, to apply all pressure and due urgency to remove the COVID-19 vaccines from market. In the United States, it's going jurisdiction by jurisdiction, probably state by state will remove them off the market if the federal government doesn't do so. It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen all over the world. The WHO is standing behind these vaccines. They are far more of a problem than a help to the European Union. And it's my belief that the European Union, the United States, and all major stakeholders should actually completely pull out of the WHO and leave the WHO to its own endeavors. Dr. McCullough also has out a new piece on his substack called Courageous Discourse, following up on his testimony and taking further aim at the World Health Organization. Dr. McCullough joins us now. He's actually joining us from Strasbourg, France, where he just spoke before Parliament there yesterday. I listened to the address, um, Dr. McCullough, and you so excellently laid out the evidence. So before we get into to more, I, I want to play another very compelling clip from your address talking about the detrimental effects of the vaccine. Let's take a listen. Everything we've learned about the vaccine since they've come out is horrifying. There's not a single study showing that the messenger RNA is broken down because it's pseudo-urinated. It's made synthetically. It cannot be broken down. There's not a study showing it leaves the body. We now have papers by Castriuta who demonstrates the messenger RNA circulating for a month. That's as long as they've looked. We have the spike protein, the lethal protein from the vaccines found in the human body after vaccination circulating at least for six months if not longer. And if people take an injection in another six months, there's another installation in more circulating, potentially lethal protein. The spike protein is proven in 3,400 peer-reviewed manuscripts to cause four major domains of disease. You laid out your case, Dr. McCullough. How was it received and what exactly are you asking these lawmakers to do? now after your address. You know, we had the full attention of the European Parliament. It was a terrific session, lasted hours. There were uh, four civil liberties attorneys ahead of the medical presenters, five medical presenters, uh, US, European contingent. And, uh, and I can tell you, they were given very specific uh, instructions. One is to withdraw all the COVID-19s off uh, vaccines off the European market. And number two, uh, to withdraw uh, the European Union from the World Health Organization. The WHO is behind pushing these vaccines. Anthony Fauci is a key member of boards at the WHO pushing this, as well as the Chinese CDC director, Dr. George Gao, uh, Bill Gates, uh, they are operating in what we call a biopharmaceutical complex, a syndicate. The top public health officials from the UK and, and uh, uh, Denmark have just joined Moderna 
so they are rewarding each other with uh, positions after their work in public health. Uh, people around the world have been t- tremendously injured and damaged by these vaccines. They need to be pulled off the market. And I can tell you, it's not just me. Uh, the World Council for Health, uh, June 11th, 2022, called to pull these off the market. And then the uh, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, March 23rd, 2023. So two fact-based, evidence-driven uh, physician consensus organizations are calling for removal of the vaccines from the market. And, and it, when we're looking at governing bodies and we're talking about pulling these shots off the market, what you're suggesting for the European Union could also be done, say, state by state here in the United States, correct? If you had some brave governors step forward. It's true. It can even happen by uh precinct by precinct, uh, legislative district. Uh, We're seeing tremendous efforts occurring in Idaho uh, as well as in Florida. Uh, These vaccines uh, are under emergency use authorization. There is no public health emergency now. Uh, There are over 3,400 peer-reviewed papers describing injuries, disabilities, and deaths. Fauci has it wrong. There were no serious cases of COVID myocarditis before the vaccines. There were none. There were a handful of cases that were inconsequential. Once the vaccines rolled out, we had a tsunami of vaccine-induced myocarditis, including fatal cases. I'm the senior author on the largest autopsy paper demonstrating that COVID-19 vaccine myocarditis is fatal in some individuals. It is the cause of these uh, montage of cardiac arrests we're seeing in athletes until proven otherwise. Real quick, we have about another minute, but I wanted to get to something that you tweeted out um, earlier today related to the Mina Sherry papers and how they relate to the origins of COVID. You say that there needs to be an investigation on these papers, uh, specifically the creation of the SARS-CoV-2 prototype Chimera in 2016. Can you just explain as quickly as possible? I know I throw this at you, but I think I want to get this to our audience. These papers are the proof that Fauci, his NIH division, Francis Collins, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and all the investigators, as well as the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they created SARS-CoV-2 in this prototype format. They published it in 2016. These papers have been buried by Fauci, by Collins. They've been overlooked by Senate and congressional committees. They need to come forward. These papers describe the gain-of-function research and creation of the virus that got the whole world sick. Well, we'll see if that happens. But yes, there does need to be an investigation. Thank you so much, Dr. McCullough, for taking the time to join us while you're overseas and and, and trying to uh, get action from European lawmakers. And I'll remind our audience that you do often post what you're working on and the latest information to your Substack Courageous Discourse. And you can find that at PeterMcCulloughMD.com and subscribe PeterMcCulloughMD.com. Thanks so much, Dr. McCullough. It's great to catch up with you, and thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Wow, Emerald Robinson is doing a great job. There's so much to unpack there. I wanted to give you that backdrop for the for the statements by the WHO before she brought up the uh, historic European Parliament testimony on September 13th, 2023. But isn't that remarkable? Megyn Kelly uh, develops an autoimmune syndrome after the vaccine, now is angry and regretful. 
She confronts Trump. Now, Trump makes the false claim that others say that the vaccine saved 100 million lives and somehow he had a responsibility for moving them quickly through. Neither one is true. In fact, the vaccines were on the move in development uh, long before Trump even got into office and he had nothing to do with the speed of how things move through. Um, I think he's trying to conveniently claim that. Uh, but he has held strong with his statement about never mandating the vaccines. I think that's going to be his fallback. But he's going to have to develop some much better talking points and get, uh, I think, farther more refined and ultimately develop some some compassion for those who have suffered vaccine injuries. He's shown none of that so far. Now, Fauci has come out of retirement from Georgetown to make the false claims that COVID itself causes more myocarditis, so therefore we should take vaccines which cause myocarditis. It's a ridiculous false claim. We know in 2020 that uh, before there's any vaccines, that there was a tremendous search for myocarditis with the virus. The project by the NCAA Big Ten Athletic League, Daniels and colleagues, uh, evaluated uh, thousands and thousands of athletes with a tiered multi-level biomarker imaging testing. They found a handful of cases of myocarditis, none were clinically consequential, no hospitalizations or deaths. Paper by Singer and colleagues also showed inconsequential uh, uh, myocarditis with COVID-19, uh, a few purported hospitalizations not adjudicated. And then um, paper by Tuvali and colleagues in Israel showed that with COVID-19, uh, the cases of myocarditis were no more uh, in excess of what's reported uh, every year due to adenovirus, Coxsackie virus, and other causes of myocarditis. Then we enter the COVID-19 vaccines. We've seen scores of cases of myocarditis. The CDC comes out with a warning in June of 2021 that the vaccines cause myocarditis. We have 800 peer-reviewed papers on COVID vaccine myocarditis. And here Fauci is trying to push this false narrative. Uh, any academic papers that claim there's more myocarditis with the vaccines are doing so based on uh, hospitalized patients with COVID and elevated troponin levels, which happens with all critical illness. None of these papers adjudicate the cases as, as having myocarditis. They simply make uh, this false claim that it's myocarditis with COVID-19 illness. It doesn't matter now because two-thirds of the world took a COVID-19 vaccine. Vast majority of people have been loaded with genetic material producing the spike protein. The spike protein damages the heart and causes myocarditis. If they subsequently get COVID, it's irrelevant because the fact they've already taken the vaccines and the vaccines are a determinant of myocarditis. And then finally, Megan gets into uh, uh, the uh, WHO reporting and, uh, and Emerald asked some hard questions. She asked, you know, what am I really asking uh, the EU parliament to do? And I told them very clearly, number one, uh, withdraw the vaccines from the market. The European Union Parliament and the European Commission can put direct pressure on the European medicine agencies to pull these off the market. And the second thing I've told them is, quite frankly, pull out of the WHO. And that's exactly what the Sovereignty Coalition is requesting, by, um, led by uh, uh, Frank Gaffney and Reggie Littlejohn uh, doing a great job uh, trying to make the case that the only thing we should do now is pull out of the WHO uh, so we don't even have to worry about the Pandemic Treaty Alliance or international health regulations. The WHO is seeking to have dominion over all plants, animals, and humans in the body 
And in many ways, the, the WHO needs to be stopped. I mean, the WHO is representative of interests of Anthony Fauci, the Gates Foundation, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and the North Koreans. Uh, it's clear the WHO is part of the biopharmaceutical complex. The complex is defined in the book that I've published in 2022 with best-selling true crime author John Leake. Now, I'm going to have a lot more on the show regarding the uh, historic EU Parliament testimony that occurred here in Strasbourg, France. Uh, the EU Parliament has two houses of Parliament, one in Strasbourg, France, and the other in Brussels, Belgium. And boy, am I glad I'm in Strasbourg. It is a beautiful town. It's on the border of Germany. It is like little uh, France here. It's wonderful. Um, we have the, it's just, it just has the best shops, the best coffee, uh, every fashion designer you could imagine. My wife is going crazy on the streets of Strasbourg with all the wonderful shopping. I can tell you, I'd encourage anybody to come here and take a visit. We'll be on uh, through the rest of the trip to the UK with a, a filming of a major live show with uh, Dr. Tess Lowry and famed podcaster in the UK, uh, Majid Nawaz. And then after that, I'll be on to Nuremberg, Germany. So for some very symbolic presentations there before I return home. Now, the WHO uh, uh, session that we had at the European Parliament will be the focus of the rest of the report uh, on this show. The title of our testimony session was Health and Democracy Under WHO's New Proposed Rules the benefits and risks for the civil society. And this was organized by German member of parliament, Christine Anderson, who I had a long dinner with afterwards, and I really got a chance to understand her. Uh, wonderful lady, very, very courageous, great background. I have a special Courageous Discourse Substack on Christine Anderson. Make sure you read it. The expert presenters were Pro Professor Matthias Desmet from the University of Ghent in Belgium. He's the author of the uh, Psychology of Totalitarianism, Professor Michael Geislinger, who's a retired uh, law professor from Austria, Professor Andreas Sonnichison, who is a uh, family medicine professor, uh, a professor and um, uh, evidence-based medicine expert who's been like me. He's been removed from all his positions, but he's still very active clinically and academically myself. Dr. B.D. Feil from Germany, who is a, a civil rights attorney. Dr. David Martin from the United States, who is a, an expert on biological threat development and a consultant. Um, Dr. Maria Hubner-Mogg, who is a, uh, a family physician from Austria who's married to a plastic surgeon. She's become a, an activist in this area. Uh, Dr. Renate Holzenissen, who is a civil rights attorney from Italy, and she's argued before the Supreme Court. And we were anchored by Philip Cruz, attorney at law from Switzerland. Uh, Philip's a very, very uh, impressive man. And our hosting members of parliament were, again, member of parliament, uh, chairwoman from Germany, Christine Anderson, uh, uh, member of parliament, Mislav Kosalusik from Croatia. He was a great guy. Uh, you'll see him on the video. He's got the ponytail, uh, a terrific leader. Uh, and um, a member of parliament, Ivan Sinsik from Croatia, also uh, a very, very um, dynamic speaker. Uh, and then member of parliament, Christian Teres from Romania, who uh, did not present. Member of parliament, Virginie Joran from France, 
who made a presentation. And finally, a member of parliament, Rob Roos from the Netherlands, who got up on the dais and did a wonderful job anchoring our final session. You're going to hear so much about this and more, health and democracy at the European Parliament sessions in Strasbourg, Germany. You're listening to The McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is The McCullough Report. Have you had COVID-19 or have suffered a vaccine injury syndrome? You know, all of these conditions are metabolic, catabolic strains on the body. The body has increased needs for essential micronutrients and minerals, and the GI tract may not be functioning completely normally in terms of absorption. The solution, Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell has an entire product line using microjoe technologies. So these are in liquid gel packs that you simply uh, rip open and a quick squirt and you've got everything you need in terms of nutrients. The product lines are the Immune Super Boost, the uh, Focus in Memory, and my favorite, the REM Sleep Supplement for an ideal night's sleep. Try them out. Go to HealthyCell.com and enter in out loud for a discount on your first purchase. Oh, or go on our platform, America Out Loud Talk Radio, and click on the banner bar, Healthy Cell, to get your discount. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll wanna make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm broadcasting today from Brasserie Flodeux, and that is in Strasbourg, Germany, my guest. And we're over at lunch, so I want you to understand there's going to be some restaurant noise in the background, is Mr. Philippe Cruz, who is a Swiss attorney, and he's been giving us the background of Strasbourg, France, and how it played such a role in scientific development. Uh, Philip, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and then give us a little bit of background as you were just telling me and my wife regarding Strasbourg, France. Oh, Peter, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here on your show in Strasbourg during lunch. Yes, I'm a lawyer from, I'm a lawyer from Switzerland, a tax lawyer specialized in tax law for 20 years now. And I started shifting my, this, the focus of my work onto the constitutional aspects of the corona mandates. So as of end 2020, I exclusively filed claims against unconstitutional measures. It started with the mask mandates for children and then the testing mandates for children in school, then the certificate, the COVID certificate that was imposed on Swiss students towards autumn 2021. And then I continued with working and publishing ultimately a criminal complaint against Swiss Medic, which is the highest authorizing and safety 
agency for medical products in Switzerland that I've published last year in November, submitted in July, and I'm about to finalize the updated version of all the facts, version 2.0, within the next 10 days. Well, you're taking a hard-hitting approach. Can you set the stage here? We're in historic Strasbourg. We've just had a testimony at the European Parliament. You were telling us about Strasbourg, France, and its role it's played in scientific discovery, the media, printing. Uh, fill us in about the color of this wonderful city. It is indeed such a wonderful city today and you see these many traces from the past just by visiting the, the big cathedral of Strasbourg. If you go in you will see this astronomer's clock which comprised all the um, scientific uh, achievements of the time and from there on you can derive many important elements from Strasbourg. Probably you know that Gutenberg has invented and produced his first printing machines here in Strasbourg and from here on they were then shipped to other places. But before they had been shipped, of course, all the scholars, the scientists who wanted to have their knowledge, their scientific work to be spread out into the world, they had to come here, they had to pass a certain time and of course this is how university in Strasbourg first grew or was pushed in medical sciences, in law and in mathematics and astronomy and so Strasbourg was a place of science and of university and also later on Erasmus from Rotterdam he also played an important role and his call for humanity and humanism by going back into the past and carefully studying the, the achievements from the Romans and from past times to build up on this modern science in these periods of 15-1600 that was the start of why Strasbourg was so important for humanism and for scholarship and for science and from here on the printing press and these achievements were spreading all over Europe. And besides, Strasbourg is also an economic, very fruitful city, being between Germany and France. Sometimes it was German, sometimes it was French. And there's a river of Rhine close to here. It's a fruitful region when it comes to wine production and handcraft and also commerce. So it is basically a rich city in every sense of the word. Wow, fantastic. So I know Philip and my wife will be ordering wine in a little bit. Many of you know that I don't drink any alcohol, but it'll go along with the foie that we have ordered as an appetizer and then the frog legs, which I can't waste to taste. Those will be uh, crispy frog legs. But more seriously, Mr. Cruz has really taken things on with the European Parliament bringing panels of experts forward so the members of Parliament can hear an alternative view on the interpretation of the infringement on human rights, on civil liberties, but also the scientific principles of 
SARS-CoV-2 infection, what we've learned in terms of how to treat it, and the COVID-19 vaccines. So can you give us an outline now of what has occurred here in the European Parliament? The Parliament meets in Brussels as well as in Strasbourg, but we'll talk about the Parliament in general. What has been the organization for the series of presentations that you've been involved in? Yes. For me, it was past Wednesday, the 13th of September. It was already the fifth time that I had the honor to be part of a team of experts to present the most important aspects on this COVID-19 crisis and most notably about WHO. So this time we had a great group of experts and you, Dr. Peter McCullough, were one of those experts from the United States uh, who brought so much insight. Now, what we tried to do this time was to provide an analysis and a picture about WHO's extension of powers from the different perspectives of the different disciplines. So we had four lawyers, we had two scientists and doctors, then we had one criminal investigator, we will tell the names of course as well, and then um, one psychologist who taught about uh, the effect of uh, information control and censorship the effect on democracy. So the idea was to bring out to the public and most notably to the MEPs the full picture from all the different perspectives, the different disciplines last Wednesday. And this is, it took a quite great time of preparation, but it worked out very well as people will be able to see when they listen to the different presentations. So whether you are interested more in the scientific aspects of what WHO has all uh, violated what scientific principles or whether you're interested more in the legal aspects and also uh, at the end the criminal investigation aspects that go far back into the past all that was put on the table in a very well understandable way yeah. and what about the prior sessions can you just let our audience know what what was the the setup for this September 13th parliamentary session Yes, so that came as a sequence of pre-existing sessions. The previous one was held on the 4th of July this year with a group of citizens, seven citizens, who had initiated the so-called European Citizens Initiative. And that's an instrument that can be used by citizens. The minimal number is from seven different countries seven citizens, they had to come forward with an initiative within the competence of their European legislative system, whereby the citizens can demand from the legislature to come to a certain action. And so that was what these seven citizens did. They asked some lawyers to assist them. I was one of the lawyers who was asked for assistance and we presented this project, as I said, on 4th of July this year. And that was an important step to do because we wanted to show the people that citizens, people still have a saying here and ultimately are the sovereign. Ultimately, we have the principle of democracy that the basic decisions, the most important, most fundamental decisions and the control shall always remain with the people. And so that was the first step, what we knew 
right from the beginning, we must continue. We must build up pressure, bring more knowledge to the MEPs. So to enable them, to enable the members of parliament to ask the right questions to the government of Europe, which is the European Commission, to put them really under pressure when it comes to their constitutional duties, because this is what it is all about. The European Commission is in total ignorance of its constitutional duties and capacities when taking over the full control of the WHO negotiations. They have been entrusted with the, the powers from the, all the member states of Europe with, uh, in, with negotiating these uh, agreements for the new pandemic treaty and for the amendments of the international health regulations. So not even the member states are now part of this process. It is done by the European Commission. So they owe the European public, the member states and the citizens, they owe answers of what all of this is leading to and why are they participating a process where we can see that ultimately fundamental human rights will be off the table, there will be no protection for basic principles of constitution and so we have to address it today as soon as possible before everything is put to a vote in Geneva at the World Health Assembly in May 2024. Okay, well, that's a terrific backdrop. Many of you actually met Mr. Cruz in his historic July 4th presentation at the European Parliament. That's when you had a breakout uh, presentation and, uh, you know, all the eyes on the world were on Mr. Cruz. Uh, you're listening to the McCullough Report, and we're going to take a break right now for um, our appetizers, which are here. Uh, it's a wonderful presentation of a duck pate, and then the crispy frog legs. My wife can't wait to dig in. She's with us here. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Well, we made it through appetizers. Let me tell you what. The, the duck pate was fantastic. Frog legs were outstanding. Never ate so many frog legs in my life. But now we're back to some important conversation with here with Mr. Philip Cruz. And he's outlining the basis for a legal case to be made out of Europe and then across just uh, basically um, various uh, uh, districts and other authorities uh, uh, worldwide, jurisdictions worldwide, against the World Health Organization. So, Philip, take it from here. What is the basis for taking actions against the WHO legally? Well, thank you, Dr. McCullough. You know, Every constitutional lawyer has to think of the true effects that will come with these big changes, big amendments of the international health regulations and the new pandemic treaty. We all have to look from the perspective what will be the ultimate effect on our constitutional situations if these two legal instruments come into force. So if you do a clear analysis, then you realize that ultimately, if this is done, we will hand over the key of power, the key to our national powers, into the hands of one, two, three people. It's about them to decide whether we have still the rule of law or the rule of emergency. It's about them to decide what kind of measures will be mandatory. 
will have to be executed, even up to the mandate for vaccination. So, and there will be no right of control, no right of uh, judicial control to the opposite. It will just about the WHO to decide what will be the truth under the title of infodemic. And so, without an open debate, without an open informed society, there cannot be any science, there cannot be any law, there cannot be any democracy. So, literally, We will shut down democracy. This will be the effect of these two new treaties. In the time after World War II, we have had great antitrust and pro-competition laws. Even in Europe, the European Commission has even um, brought to justice some antitrust behaviors of international, from even American, like um, Microsoft big corporations to bring them back to competition. So we have a strong practice here, court practice, law practice to preserve competition. So that's the third area which deceive, deserves our attention uh, because obviously this trust and cartel of big corporations, they work together under the protection of immunity and under the disguise of protecting us and that so we have to address that as well just to name a few and there's much more to be done well that is a, a terrific outline actually of of i think a point of attack a multinational multi-continent continent legal framework for why the who pandemic treaty and the international health regulations are unconstitutional or illegal in any type of interpretive framework. And what uh, Philip mentioned to me uh, over hors d'oeuvres that I thought was so um, uh, impressive was that whatever's written by the WHO and written in correspondence by the various countries, whatever's written is separate from what the actual effect is in countries and societies. So w what really matters legally is what is the effect and is the effect in, in Europe, the United States and, and all the, uh, particularly the westernized countries, which I think really stand to lose the most on this, if the effect is one that uh, is stripping of civil liberties, is uh, a stripping of the democratic process of people being able to voice their vote or their opinion on it. And, and I think very importantly, restricts what we consider to be our, our inalienable human rights, our, our, our right to, to survive, our right to express free speech, our, our right to pursue liberty and freedom and happiness, if the effect of what's going on in this biopharmaceutical complex, which we believe the WHO is, is clearly at the center of, then in a matter of law, in a court of law, an international court, the people should prevail over the biopharmaceutical complex. This has been a terrific discussion. We're here, the background noise is here in the Brasserie Flodeur in Strasbourg, 
France, we're right on the border of Germany. We're in the middle of a terrific dinner. I'm going to leave you here on the McCullough Report. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a great honor on your show to be on your show. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter McCullough. That's a wrap. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. The last segment I have for this show is a recent interview I gave for Redacted Let's listen in on questions that I feel regarding the new COVID-19 vaccines. FDA has given emergency approval for new COVID vaccines for anyone six months and older with no clinical trials to show for it. Uh, Don't worry, though. They say studies suggest that it's effective. Here to break it down with us is Dr. Peter McCullough, who has long since been uh, critical of the COVID vaccines, and he is here to take a look. This is now, thank you for joining us. Um, Can you provide your reaction and just make it clear, this is not the original monovalent vaccine. This is not the bivalent. This is a brand new thing. So why are we getting so little information about it? What do you think of this? I'm not recommending them for my patients at all or for family members. Uh, These are now monovalent vaccines directed against XBB 1.5 Omicron subvariant strain. That strain now is nearly extinct. It's only 3.1% of all strains out there. The current outbreak is driven by the ARIS or EG5 strain, which is uh, most, most prominent. And uh, what we see is a pattern here where the Pfizer and Moderna are constantly behind by the time they actually develop the RNA code for, uh, you know, for a particular subvariant strain. Quickly, the virus mutates away into another strain. So these are obsolete. Uh, there are no studies showing they would uh, ever work against EG5. And to my knowledge, they're not any safer. Uh, we'd expect the same safety profiles we've seen with all the prior vaccines. So our six, I want to talk about the six-month-olds because they're, they're – and this is under the emergency use authorization, Doc, which is – so there's an emergency and among six-month-olds on up. So are you seeing an emergency of COVID among six-month-olds? 
No, not at all. We're not hearing about it at all in children. Now, I've had some adults with the recent, uh, presumably, ARIS strains, very mild. It's like a common cold and no fever, no pulmonary involvement. We just use the viricidal nasal sprays and gargles, uh, and they work just fine. Uh, just over-the-counter solutions, haven't had to prescribe any drugs. We don't believe the hospitalization data are adjudicated, meaning that uh, the hospital started testing people again, and people test positive for many months afterwards. They're not bona fide COVID cases that's, that are winding up in the hospital. No, in fact, uh, just today the CDC's data shows that even though positivity test rates are increased, death rates are down almost to an unmeasurable number. So that actually verifies what you just said is high numbers of positive cases do not mean high numbers of serious cases. And we don't have any data to show that this is any more serious, do we? No, we don't. In fact, the virus has become progressively more mild. That's great. We know a paper from Clausen and colleagues, Harvard, 97% of us have actually been through the virus uh, clinically or subclinically. And so second infections have a zero risk of hospitalization and death as shown by Chin and colleagues doing internal medicine in October of 2022. So I don't worry about any of my patients being hospitalized with COVID at this point in time. Every so often I'll get somebody who's you know, never had COVID before. They're, it's completely new to them. And uh, I've had to advise on a case recently where we needed to, you know, give a, an oral medicine like ivermectin or doxycycline or prednisone, but it's very rare now. What about this as a pre-existing condition? The idea that if you've had vaccines before, you might now be more open to, uh, to getting COVID that you are now somehow, you have less protection. Can you speak about that, which I find unbelievable? You couldn't say this three years ago. You would have been outlaw, outcasted for this. I know, but, you know, all the, the um, countries that actually fairly report uh, cases, hospitalizations, deaths by vaccine status, like the U.K. does, show much higher risks for the vaccinated. So every single vaccine that's taken, there's more and more risk. There was a Cleveland Clinic study by Shretha that showed the same thing. So what's going on is what Wheatley and colleagues predicted in 2021. It's called immune imprinting. The body is being misdirected against antiquated strains. So when the new strain hits, the vaccinated are actually more likely to acquire it and get sicker. Those with immunity uh, you know, have already faced the virus and against all the components of the virus uh, are in much better shape to actually, you know, manage an infection if they, they have it. It's the strangest thing to keep taking shots every six months, but yet be more and more prone to having the illness the shots are supposed to prevent. Strange indeed. In fact, I was going over the fact sheet for each of the vaccines, one approved by Moderna, one approved by Pfizer. Both of them say this exactly under the section, what are the benefits of the vaccine, says the duration of protection against COVID-19 is currently unknown. So they don't know. They didn't test. They don't seem to care. And that leaves open the window. What, what I get concerned about is it leaves open a window to make you take another one in four to six months. That's not a question that you can respond. Yeah, but we've never had any type of vaccine where people who are following the the narrative right now, they're on their eighth shot. We've never given eight shots of any type of foreign antigen or or a killed vaccine or live attenuated vaccine, let alone eight injections of a novel genetic code. 
where we, we don't see any evidence that the genetic code is broken down or disposed of in the human body. It's pseudo-urinated, it's, it's modified it's to be very resistant to human ribonucleases. The spike protein seems to have a very, very long duration of time in the body after it's produced by the vaccines. A recent paper by Brogna and colleagues, shocking, they were able to use mass spec and identify the spike protein truly coming from the vaccine because there's a certain signature, amino acid signature profile on it. And that is widely circulating in the body in their study up to uh, over 180 days in about 50% of people who took the shots. That means 50% of people who took the shots walking around out there. Can you imagine every six months they take a shot? They'll have continually circulating spike protein. The spike protein we know causes damage to tissues, organs, uh, causes blood clotting and the complications all associated with the vaccines. Right, which is not any more conjecture because those things you just said are on the facts sheet now. They weren't originally, but they are now at least on these. Um, so you are given this warning, I, don't, I guess. Yeah, it's true. Patients are, are, are fairly worn down. The doctors are. There's over 3,400 papers in the peer-reviewed literature on this, over 800 on myocarditis. Uh, we have uh, compelling evidence from the autopsy studies, uh, papers uh, by Holscher, colleagues on the senior author. 73.4% uh, of the deaths that occur after the vaccine are truly due to the vaccine. That's now proven. Uh, the benefits are very, very limited theoretical conjectures at this point in time, but no clinical data on the BA4, BA5 booster. It completely flopped. Now we have none on the XBB 1.5. It's another flop being introduced into the market on the efficacy side, and I think it'll be more continued safety concerns for people who take them. Fortunately, very few people in America are taking them. Uh, Chris Kingdom in our chat says, how can they approve an emergency vaccine if there's no emergency? And then also Red Spartan on our Rumble chat says, can you ask the doctor about shedding? Yeah, how's it an emergency and can you talk about the shedding? The emergency use authorization was a mechanism that is completely predicated on having both a, a national emergency and a public health emergency declared by HHS. So the vaccines are government property issued as military countermeasures, essentially. So when the Biden administration on schedule um, dropped the, the overall national uh, emergency in Bashara, dropped the public health emergency, we should have been done. We should have been completely done. But yet FDA Commissioner uh, Rob Califf came out and said, no, the vaccines are going to continue despite the lack of a national emergency. So here the FDA is just enabling this. The question is, who's giving the FDA these orders? Well, the FDA is supposed to be an independent watchdog who's giving the orders. You know, there is great concern, by the way, I'll take all the rest, the second part of this about shedding Helene Benoon at, at INSERM, a former scientist at INSERM who's probably the most knowledgeable on this. She's pretty convinced the shedding is occurring both of the messenger RNA as well as um, the spike protein. Messenger RNA is circulating in the blood at least a month after the shots spike protein, you know, widely circulating for six months or more. So there's got to be a period of time where people take the shots, they theoretically could shed onto someone else with a lot of contact. Uh, well, it, it does seem like the CDC and the FDA are sort of wagging the dog, for lack of a better term, because tomorrow they will meet to decide which populations to recommend. And if they decide that they agree with the FDA, which we have no reason to believe they won't, 
then taxpayers, the federal government, will pay for these shots. So whether you want it or not, personally, American taxpayers will be paying for it. Um, you know, I know I don't want to ask you to ring in on business deals and government corruption, but do you have a reaction to that? At this point in time, they shouldn't be government property. They, they should be commercial products. People should, you know, should buy them. They should sell, you know, should be bought and sold, uh, commercially approved by insurance companies, unless they enter into the marketplace as commercial products like other biopharmaceuticals. This offering of government property that is, you know, you know many times brought forward under the setting of, of pressure, coercion, threat of reprisal mandates, uh, is making people exceedingly uncomfortable. Do, do you know they are government property in every single country in the world? That's hard to imagine. Three, yeah. three, you know, three and a half years into the pandemic, that these are still forms of government um, property. They should be just commercial products. People should decide to to purchase them uh, should they want them. Yeah, as you write in your book about biopharmaceutical complex, the just like the military industrial complex needs to make its money. I'll get you out of here on this, doctor. You've been great, gracious with your time. We want to allow you to get back to your patients, mm -hmm. which is just turning on television, seeing all of these television doctors that work for like the local NBC affiliates and the local CBS affiliates, and then you have John Pierre at the White House podium and the, you know getting up there telling American people, yeah, you know it's getting scary out there. Go out and take these shots. That's the best thing that you can do right now. Mask up. Go get the shots. What do you say to that? Masks don't work. Uh, many people are now standing up against masks. Many gov many governors, uh, former President Trump, uh, scientifically, they don't work. We should we should forget the masks. But I tell you, the nasal sprays and gargles really work. Everybody should be outfitted with those when they travel. It's, it's good for just general hygiene to avoid uh, common cold flu uh, anyway. And then uh, the vaccines are not safe, not effective. Uh, and we can't uh, tolerate our government officials making false claims. So Jean-Pierre the other day was saying that the vaccines are the best way to stay safe from hospitalization or death. The vaccines have never been shown to reduce hospitalization and death in any uh, perspective, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trials, nor in any valid observational studies. Recent paper on the preprint server by Michaels and colleagues that have analyzed all the deaths in the Pfizer dossier that occurred after the data cutoff for the very first meeting on December 10th, 2020 by the FDA, actually showed 38 more deaths, majority with Pfizer. There were actually more deaths with Pfizer the moment they were approved by the EUA, and the FDA missed it, Pfizer missed it or concealed it, and that pattern of excess death, particularly excess cardiovascular death and excess threefold cardiovascular death, that should have actually halted the program right there. Pfizer never should have been approved or on the market. Dr. Peter McCullough, thank you so much for taking some time out this afternoon there at the hospital. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your expertise and insight, as always. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Those were the voices of Clayton and Natalie Morris of Redacted. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report.